said Josh is out of town for the week he's leading worship um, at a conference with uh, with his brothers and so um so y'all get stuck with me uh, for uh for the last couple of weeks Josh has been um, talking about love and I'm going to continue uh, that tonight and we'll kind of kind of wrap that up um, hopefully um, so we're just going to go ahead and, and get into it um, let's turn into uh, turn to first John uh, chapter 4 verses Seven through twelve. I'll give y'all some time to get there. So we're going to be looking at love, and, and more specifically, um, uh, our love for each other and our love for for other people. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, uh, "Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love." In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Um, so I think there's some important things in that passage for us to talk about. Um, dealing with, with the love that we have for each other and we have the love that we have for, for other people. So um, let's look at verses 7 and 8 again. Uh, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves <coughs> has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the first thing that um, we get from this is that um, as Christians, the love that we have for each other and, and the love that we have for other people is a result um, of the love that God has, has displayed us and a result of us um, being Christians, a result of the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, so as Christians, we love. That's an inescapable truth about who we are. Um, and, and we can be confident in that, and confident in that love. That love's being refined now, obviously. Um, but we can't say that we're just not loving if we're Christians. We, um, by nature, as a result of the Spirit within us, are loving. So we love each other, we love others as a result of the love that God has shown us. Um, Second thing that I, that I want to talk about from that passage is if we look at verse 11, um, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So um, the love that we have is a result, direct result of us, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, but it's also um, a response um, to the love of God that has been shown to us, a response to the love of Christ that was displayed for us, that was modeled for us while he was on the earth, um, a response to the love that he displayed on the cross. Um, and it's, again, as we, as we understand those things, as we understand the love that has been displayed for us by God in Christ, the more we understand that, the more loving we become. It's an inevitable result. It's going to happen. Um, the more that we understand the love of God and the grace of God in our daily lives, the more we're going to become loving to each other and become loving to other people. Uh, I think that's pretty cool because it takes some of the pressure off of us. Not that we don't have to do any work, but as we pursue that, as we understand that more, that's the natural result. Um, so, a guy named um, John Stott, who wrote uh, a book called The Cross of Christ, which a lot of what I'm going to be talking about 
is going to be um, from that book. It's a great book. Um, but he says that because of the fact that we um, have love as a result of, of, of the love of God, the fact that love is within us, and we, have, um, we respond to love that has been modeled for us, he says that we have an inescapable incentive to give ourselves in love to others. I think that's just an incredible truth. We have no, we have no excuse not to love each other, not to love other people, because of those two things. The, the fact that we have love, we have that spirit of love within us, and we have had that love modeled to us. Um, so let's move from there. Um, let's look at um, verses 9 and 10, because I want to talk a little bit more about the love that we are responding to, the love that was displayed to us by God in Christ. Um, so let's look at 9 and 10 again. It says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. And God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved of God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So for the last couple of weeks, Josh has been talking about some very practical aspects of what um, the love of God is. He's you know, we've been talking about the fact that love is patient, love is kind. Um, and he, first couple weeks ago, we talked about um, the love of God being a, like a perfectly loving father. And um, all those point back to uh, and, and relate to and a result from the ultimate display of God's love for us, which, which was at the cross. Um, so let's look a little bit more at that love and, and the nature of that love. Uh, we're going to look at the cross a little bit and just talk more about what that displays about the heart of that love. Um, another uh, quote that uh, John Stott has in his book, it says that uh, God himself gave himself to save us from himself. And that's, when I read that for the first time, it was a pretty powerful quote because it really brings us to the heart of the love that God has. Um, we see uh, the, the self-sacrificial nature of the love of God. God himself, in Christ, came to the earth, um, bore the penalty, bore the wrath of, of our sins um, through no merit uh, of our own, through no work of our own, um, so that we might be redeemed to him, like we might be restored to him. And so we look at it from Jesus. Jesus bore the cross. He chose to go to the cross, chose to, chose to bore the physical pain, chose to bear that wrath, chose to bear that abandonment. Um, all those things in our place um, because, um, because, he, a, was, because he loved us, um, but he also uh, was completely submitted to his Father's will, um, completely submitted to doing the will of God the Father. And so we see that self-sacrificial nature of the love of God, of the love of Jesus, um, and, and we're starting here when talking about us loving each other and loving others, because this is a, a crucial starting point. A, because God is the one that initiates that love within us. He, his character is love. He is the only perfectly loving being. And so he is the one that initiates that, and, and he is the only hope we have of, of loving each other and loving others like he's called us to, and truly loving them in a way um, that he has called us to. So that's, that's why we start there, because we get a perfect picture of what that love looks like. Um, so we're going to move from there and just talk a little bit more about um, the self-sacrificial uh, nature of that love and what that looks like for us um, and, and look at uh, that through the example of Jesus. Um, so let's turn to Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. And we may not be here too long. I tend to go through my notes a lot quicker than I, than I think I do. So, um, so we may get out a little early tonight. I'm, I'm envious of Josh. He comes up here with a piece of paper with like five lines on it. And you see me, I have like five pages of, of written out notes. 
So I, I, I was telling somebody earlier that I, I couldn't do what Josh does on a, on a, on a weekly basis. He, uh, he's definitely called to this. But uh, anyway, enough of that. Sorry, little side note. Um, all right, so we're going to read that. Uh, verse 3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, uh, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we see some of the same things we saw in the, in the, in the verse before, just that self-sacrificial nature. Um, so we look at verses 5 and eight, five through 8. Some things that we see is we see that in humility, um, Christ, God in Christ came to the earth. Um, he, you look at um, verse 6, says that who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, he, when Jesus came to earth, he denied himself the, the rights of the divine nature. He didn't cease to be divine. He denied himself. He humbled himself, left his glory, came down to the earth, denied himself the rights of the divine nature. We look at uh, verse 7. He said, but made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He took the form of a servant. He came to serve. Um, his life was a life of service to us, to men, uh, to, to God, a life of service to God. And we look at verse 8, and it says, In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Out of his love for us, but also out of his submission and his obedience to the will of God the Father, he humbled himself to the point that he went to the cross um, out of his willingness to do the Father's will and to the, to the glory of God the Father. So we see that self-sacrificial love once again in, in Jesus and the way he lived his life. Um, so let's talk about what that looks like for us, um, some different ways that we display that love um, self-sacrificially to others um, in the way that, that Jesus and, and, and God have done it for us. Look at verse, uh, I think we can look at this passage and gain some valuable insights from how that looks. Look at verse 3 again. It says, uh, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, uh, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. So I think this is a good place to start. It says, in humility, um, what does it mean to be humble? Uh, and I think a, a place, and if, if you've uh, been in a group that has been talking about the cross, you'll be familiar with this, but uh, a place to start when we're talking about being humble is we begin to see ourselves and we see others through the lens of the cross. Um, so what does this mean? So we see that without the voluntary, um, unmarried action of, of God in Christ, we, uh, we as Christians were without hope, destined for the wrath, destined for the punishment of God uh, because of the sin that was within us. And as a result of uh, Christ going to the cross, uh, we are now righteous, uh, we are now accepted, um, we are now uh, reconciled with God. So when we look at ourselves uh, through the lens of the cross, Pride is pretty much eliminated. We did nothing to earn it. It was completely out of the perfect love of God. And so this caused us to look at each other as Christians and look at non-Christians a lot differently. Um, as Christians, as we look, as we look at each other, um, we have all been reconciled. We have all um, been redeemed. Um, we are all in the process of being refined through the Spirit of God. Um, we are all righteous. Uh, we were all at a point at one time whenever uh, we were destined for, destined for wrath and punishment. But when Christ came and, uh, and worked in our hearts, uh, we were now no longer the objects of, his wrath, of God's wrath. 
Um, so when we see that, we, it eliminates that competition, eliminates that comparison, um, and, and allows us to love each other uh, more freely and, and more truly. Um, so when we look at non-Christians, we apply the same things. We see um, people that, that aren't Christians, we see that we can identify with them spiritually because we were there once. We were there. We were spiritually bankrupt. We could do nothing to save ourselves. Um, so we, we can identify with where they were, and without the action of Christ, without the action of, of God in our lives, we would be in the same spot, and so we can identify. So there's, again, no room for pride when we look at, at, uh, at non-Christians. Um, so we begin in humility. Um, let's look at verse 4. Um, it says, Let each of you uh, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it talks about looking to the interests of others. So how, how, how do we do this? What does that mean to look to the interests of others? Um, we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, first thing is to n- deny ourselves, and, and that term is thrown out a lot. Um, and I think that it can be misinterpreted sometimes, uh, but when we talk about denying ourselves, we are denying our old nature, um, the nature that wants to make us the center of the universe, that wants to um, have our desires uh, and our good, our, um, our wants and our desires uh, rule our life. It does not mean that we don't care for ourselves. Um, it, you, you see in that verse it says that um, you know, not only look, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it doesn't mean that, but it means that we deny that old nature, that, that, that tendency that we, got, that we all have um, to make life all about us and to make all life, life all about us and our desires. And we be, have, have this tunnel vision a lot of times. Um, so that's the first thing. We deny ourselves. We deny that old nature. Second, the second thing that, uh, that we do is that we pursue the good of others. Um, we desire the good of other people. And I think that that's easier said than done a lot of times. It can be very easy at times. We, we can desire the good of, of our friends and, and, and our family. Um, but I don't think we would object to the fact that we need to desire the good of all people. But when we look at uh, our daily lives, that can be a little bit difficult. Um, I think that another thing we have to realize is that this is going to look differently with, uh, with different people. Um, sometimes it can look like uh, simple acts of service and love towards our friends and family. Um, sometimes that can look uh, like rebuke um, with our, our uh, Christian brothers and sisters. We... Um, when people are, are screwing up, we let them know out of love, out of a desire for them to, um, to stop. We can rebuke them and, and do it out of love. Um, another way this can look is, uh, I'll give you an example, because I think an example can help you understand this. If you're, say you're, you have somebody that you're uh, helping out financially, that they're in a situation where they're in need of, of some financial help. And um, sooner or later you find out that the, fin- the, the aid that you're giving them, they're using uh, for something that's harming them, whether it be drugs or alcohol, or, um, or whatever. So a good, by us pursuing the good in that situation may mean we withdrawing that financial aid. Not to mean that we don't help them in other ways, but pursuing the good may mean that we withdraw that financial aid from them. And, and so we can look a little bit differently depending on the situation. And I think it with, regardless of any situation, um, motive is going to be the key. Because we can um, have the right behaviors, but be completely off in our, in our, in our motives. Going back to that example I just give, I just gave, um, if we uh, are withdrawing that financial aid, um, our motive could be the fact that uh, they, this person has violated us, has taken advantage of us, and they are no longer deserving of our of our of our money. 
And that can be a motive in the same action, completely different motive. And I think you see how, and we can apply that to every, um, every situation that we find ourselves in. Um, so motive is the key um, when we're talking about that. What, we're pursuing their good, um, whatever that looks like. So we have talked about pursuing the, the good of others. Um, And we're going to, let's move on to the next thing. We'll look at uh, 1 John um, 2.2. You don't have to turn there. I think David will have it up. Yeah. It says that he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, uh, but for the sins of the whole world. So when we're talking about the pursuing the good of people, we're talking about pursuing the good of all people. Um, Jesus came to die for the sins of the whole world. Not that his death saved the whole world. But he came and he made a sacrifice available for all people. And so that should be the same for us. We're, we're to love all people. We're to pursue the good of all people. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about what that means, because none of us would disagree with that, I don't think. But I want to draw your attention just to, just to some examples that um, sometimes that we kind of overlook. One of the, the first examples is, is everyday life. A lot of us get, and me included, um, can get caught up um, in um, looking past the, the daily routine and forgetting that, um, that we're in a spot where God has us. Um, we can get caught, if we're not happy at our job, we can get caught looking ahead. I think I talked about this last time I got up here, but we can get looking, start looking ahead to the next phase in life, to um, the next job that we're going to have. Um, if, you know, if we're in college, we can't wait, get wait to get out of college. You can go on and on about that. Um, but I think it's easy to forget that we run into people on a daily basis that God has called us to love. And so I think that we can always love where we're at right now. We can always love where we're at now. And we run into countless people, whether it be at our job, the restaurants that we go to. Um, uh, a lot, just, you think of any, anything you do in the, in the, in the course of a, of a daily routine, you run into a lot of people that God has called us to love. And so we can't forget that. Um, another thing, and, the, and one of the more obvious things, is our brothers and sisters in, in Christ, the, us in here. We're called to, um, to love each other in, in a way that God has called us to. Um, we're called to love the world around us, the, the needy around us. Uh, Baton Rouge, I think the, the homeless population in Baton Rouge is growing. And so we're called to love them, to pursue their good. Um, I think that this love should push us out. It should push us out to love our community. Um, we are called to love uh, people who have, who have wronged us, people that we would consider our enemies, people that we don't like. Um, we're called to love them, to pursue their good. Um, if you look at the cross, we were enemies of Christ, um, enemies of God before God came and recon- before Christ came and reconciled us. And so, um, so when we look at it like that, it, it changes our perspective completely. Um, so we're called to love all people, uh, regardless of the place, uh, regardless of who they are. And again, that love's going to look a little differently. Um, so we are called to, um, to deny ourselves, when we're looking to the interests of others. We're called to pursue the good of others, to desire the good of others, and that includes all people. Um, and I think uh, we're going to come to a key with this as we pursue the good of all people is that this is all for the glory of God. Um, ultimately, all of our, our, our self-sacrificial love, our pursuit of the good of other people, um, should point people back towards God. Um, its ultimate motive is to point people back towards something greater than us. Um, and it's easy for us to become prideful in self-sacrifice. Uh, I just I think that's the reality of it. I think we've all been there. It's easy for us to become a little bit prideful when we um, 
do something good when we help somebody else. And I think we should feel good about that. I don't, I'm not saying we shouldn't feel good about that. But ultimately, when we do those things, it's an expression of the love that Jesus has for us, love that Christ, that Christ has for us. And ultimately, we are pointing people back to that love, to the, the author of that love, the initiator of that love. And so that, the, that tendency towards pride should, needs to be guarded against. But I think if we be, go back to looking at the cross, that, that tendency towards pride becomes less and less. Um, so <clears throat> when we talk about looking to the interests of people, um, this must always result in action. And I think we've talked about this a little bit. First John uh, three eighteen, it says, uh, "Little children, let us not love in word or talk, uh, but in deed and action." So, and we've heard this before, and this is obvious. This should always result in action. Um, the actions are going to look differently, but it should always result in action. So, a question that we that may come up is, so how much action is required? Um, we've all been there. How much do I need to help this person out? And I think when we um, go back to the motive and go back to looking at the cross. Um, when our motive begins with the response to the, to the love that was displayed with, uh, for us on the cross, um, the response to the love of God, um, when our motive is to pursue the good of other people, that question no longer becomes really applicable, I guess you could say. We love to pursue the good. Uh, we don't put these self-imposed limits on, on how much we love each other, on what, way, what that looks like, on what, how much action is required. We don't put self-imposed limits on how much we're going to help the world around us. In reality, there's, there's going to be limits to that. I'm not saying that you know, there's not going to be limits to that. But those limits won't be self-imposed limits that we put up prematurely. And um, so I think it's important for us to, to recognize that, I mean, it's okay to ask the question, but when we go back to um, the motive and, and what we're uh, responding to, um, the reason we're pursuing the good, then that becomes a little bit broader. And, and we begin to look at that, even that question, a little bit differently. So we love and surrender to God and out of a pursuit uh, of the good of others to the glory of God. Um, and we're going to close it off. I told you I'll be kind of quick. Um, so where do we go from here? Um, so how do we begin this process towards uh, displaying the love of God? Uh, let's look back at 1 John 4.12, and I think this is a good place to, uh, to end it. It says, uh, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. I think that's a great place to end because it speaks a lot, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, first thing is that when we love each other as Christians, um, when we love the, the world around us, that, the spirit of God working within us is going to continue to perfect that love. So when we step out in obedience in love, that love is perfected in us. God is constantly refining us, constantly working in us. And so that we can be confident uh, that as we step out in obedience, that that love is going to be um, perfected, and we're going to continue to love in the way he's called us to. Um, we pursue, another way we do it, we, we pursue the Lord. We pursue God, um, who is, one of his characters is love. Um, he is love, and so as we pursue him, as we pursue an understanding of him, as we pursue an understanding of the cross, um, we become more loving, like I talked about at the beginning. That's a natural response. We can't help but become more loving towards others and towards um, each other. Another thing, we, we ask God to help us see where we can be loving on a daily basis and, and what that looks like. Um, sometimes this, this is going to be tough for us. Sometimes it, it will be painful for us, and, and uh, that's, that's the reality of it, and I think at times it should be. Um, but other times it's going to be effortless. It's going to be uh, completely joyful. Um, 
sometimes those actions will be very small. Uh, sometimes they'll be very big and, and very large. And so, I, but we ask the Lord to, to to show us where to be loving and how to love. Um, and then we step out in obedience. We uh, we, we there is we do have a part to uh, to play, and we step out in obedience. Um, so that's that's really it tonight. Like I said, it, it kind of went by a lot faster than I thought, but um, I know nobody's going to be uh, not going to argue with me about getting out a little early. Um, but just we're going to I think Cody and them are going to come up in a second and play one more uh, one more song, and um, just spend this time um, looking at uh, just the cross. Um, uh, Spend this time looking at the love of God and uh, has been displayed in your own lives. And just ask Him to, to show you areas that you may not be loving or areas that, uh, motives that need to be refined out. Um, I don't know, just wherever this hits you tonight, I just want to make sure that we don't leave here and forget it. So let me ask Cody and the band to come on up and I'm going to pray and we'll go, go from here. Um, Father, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your uh, presence here. Thank you for the fact that you are speaking to each of us individually, and that, God, you have us here for a purpose. Lord, we love you, and um, I just pray that uh, you will continue to help us to see what uh, that love looks like in, in our daily lives, Father, how we love like you have loved us. Um, God, I just love you so much, and I thank you so much for the cross. I thank you for the display of uh, your love uh, that is there, the self-sacrificial love. Um, a love that we can't help but be amazed at the more we look at. So, uh, Lord, we just ask you to, to take this time and, um, God, just speak to our hearts. Um, and just show us uh, what you have for us. We thank you that you are faithful to do that as we, as we come to you. So, in your name we pray. Amen.